0: Today's poem is inspired by the travels that we just returned from as a family. Our last camping spot was near Long Beach, Washington, and one day we rode bikes to the North Point Lighthouse, which looks out over where the Columbia flows into the Pacific Ocean. That area is called the Graveyard of the Pacific because so many ships used to wreck there. And the lighthouse was built in 1899 or something like that. And as I was standing, gazing out over those treacherous waters, I kept thinking of this poem, which is based on an event that took place in 1891, so a while before that lighthouse was built. It's called The Clipson Stallions by Linda Beards. It isn't short, it takes one and a half pages, and the words are pretty dense. I think this is a poem that will reward attention, more careful attention than some. So I will read it twice, but the more carefully you listen, I think the more this story will be able to come alive in your mind. This is how it goes. The Clips and Stallions by Linda Beards. Just one crack against the sandbar, and the grain freighter crumbled into itself like paper in flames. All the lifeboats and blankets, the tons of yeasty wheat sucked down so fast the tumbling sailors still carried in the flat backs of their brains, the sensation of the galley, smoky with mutton fat, someone's hiccup someone's red woolen sleeve still dragging itself across their eyes, even as the long sleeve of the water closed over them. It was 3 a.m., the 3rd of November, 1891. Just to the south of this chaos, where the Columbia washes over the Pacific, there was shouting, the groan of stable doors, and over the beachfront a dozen horses were running. Trained with a bucket of Timothy to swim rescue, they passed under the beam of the Clipson lighthouse, passed out from the grasses, alfalfa, deep snores, and the shuffle of hooves, and entered the black ocean. Just heads, then, stretched nostrils and necks, swimming out to the sailors, who were themselves just heads, each brain flickering a sputtering flame above the water, Delirious, bodies numb, they answered the stallions with panic. So this is the death parade, Neptune's horses lashed up from Akasha. And still, through some last act of the self, when the tails floated past, they grabbed on. Then watched as the horses returned to themselves, as the haunches pulled left, then right, and the small circles of underhooves stroked up in unison. Here was the sound of sharp breathing, troubled with sea spray, like bellows left out in the rain. And here, the texture of sand on the belly, on the shirt and thigh, on the foot with its boot and the naked foot. And then, finally, the voices. The dozens gathered to cheer the rescue, the long bones of the will, causing hands to close over those rippling tails, yellow teeth to close over the timothy. Wow, I think it might be hard to keep this episode as petite as usual because I feel like I have so much to say about this story, about Linda Beards in general, and about this poem specifically. So, this is a great story, is it not? And as I said, it's based on a true event. When we were in that area last week, I was trying my best to get to the bottom of how much of this was true and how much was Beards' interpretation of it, or embellishment. And the one part I've found, I'm sorry to say, is that I don't think that there were horses who were actually trained to rescue swimmers from the water. I wonder if that was Beards' imagination, reading about this and thinking, what would have led horses into the water toward the wreck in the dark, stormy night? Um, And... Thinking maybe it was food. And I do love that. And deep down, you know what? It might have been food that was motivating them. (laughs) I have enough farm animals to realize that I think a lot of their behaviors are motivated by treats. Um, But the fact was that that night, in reality, there were a couple horses with riders that, trained or not as lifeguards, were willing to go into the ocean over and over and swim out to the sailors and drag them into shore, which can we just have a moment of appreciation for horses? They seem like such a superfluously strong and beautiful creature, and there's nothing on earth quite like them. You don't hear about zebras or donkeys going out into the water with their big muscles and their long beautiful hair to save anybody. Horses are special. That's what I've learned from my daughter's horse fever that they've had for the last few years, but Anyway, when I was reading about this, one part that I found was true was that there was a young boy, a teenager, who had been on the ship. He was a part of the crew, and when the horse came out to try to save him, he was just terrified and was swimming away instead of toward the horse. But then this moment of reflex took over, as she describes here in the poem, and he grabbed on and was pulled to shore, and I think he ended up living there in that town for quite a while after that. Several of the sailors did. You can do your own re- research. I don't need to tell you everything I've found, but I like trying to think through the mind of a poet and wondering why she made the decisions that she did and what parts of the news reports stood out to her and made it into her art. So I'm a huge fan of Linda Beards. I have stayed up Way too late at night, reading and rereading the same book of her poetry over and over. I get these phases where her work is like catnip to me and I just can't get enough. And I'm one thing that intrigues me is she hardly ever in her poems uses the pronoun I. And if she does, it's usually not talking about her. She, as a person, as a poet, does not show up in her work. Instead, she tends to write about historical events like this ones of great human interest, um, and often about history of science and explorers and discoverers and researchers and their moment, their eureka moment of discovering something about science that has then gone on to be very influential. And somehow her poems enact that feeling of discovery, kind of like this one, to me, enacts a feeling of simultaneity, of all of these things happening at the same time. And I especially see it in this poem when she uses repetition, like toward the beginning, she says, someone's red woolen sleeve still dragging itself across their eyes, even as the long sleeve of the water closed over them. So just the feeling of this water encompassing everything that was going on in that cabin all at once through the sleeve of the pajamas and the sleeve of the ocean going over the ship. I can just picture those things happening at the same time. And the specific sensory details that she includes are pretty historically grounded in a certain time that's past. What am I talking about? If you went into a ship galley today, no one would be using mutton fat to fry anything. And I bet very few people would be wearing red wool. Um, so just those few details bring me back to the late 19th century when this took place. One of my favorite parts is when the horses go into the ocean and it says they're just heads then, stretched nostrils and neck swimming out to the sailors. And I always picture a chess piece or I can just so clearly see that neck and head of a horse and that curve that it makes. And then also the sailors are just heads, each brain a sputtering flame above the water. And I really like that metaphor. It works for me. Both flames and humans are so fragile that if they're dunked underwater, they will be snuffed out. One more place that the repetition really gets to me and just makes me think, Dang, Linda, how do you know how to do this? Is toward the end, when it's talking about somebody, I'm assuming a sailor, being dragged or staggering up out of the sea after the rescue, she repeats the word foot She says, the texture of sand on the belly, on the shirt and thigh, on the foot with its boot, and the naked foot. And then finally the voices. Doesn't that just make you feel like you're there in that moment? And right after that, she says, the long bones of the will causing hands to close over those rippling tails. Yellow teeth to close over the Timothy. So there's two closings that she put side by side in that moment the instinctual grabbing of the horse's tail by the drowning men and the instinctual desire for treats (laughs) that I mentioned before that the horses have just wanting that hay and that being she equates those two grabbing grasping instinctual actions of the horse and the men and I buy it I believe this is all life This is all this life force that's happening at once, and so many things are like other things and all part of this swirl of survival of living things. Linda Beard is a professor at University of Washington, and I have to admit I'm tempted to drive up there sometime and wander around campus until I find her office door and knock on it and poke my head in. But it would probably be awkward. I don't know if I would really be able to. Describe to her how much I admire her poetry without sounding like a total weirdo. So that's why I tell you guys about it instead. The book that this is from is called The Stillness, The Dancing. That was a really good one. But if you want to just read another poem of hers, one that's easy to find online is called Evolution. And I, I don't think the poems are super easy to listen to. So if you read it with your eyes, it might actually be a better experience, especially if you print it out and read slowly. That's one of the poems that I was talking about that to me captures a feeling of discovery for the reader and the scientists mentioned in that poem at the same time. So check that one out if you're interested. I've gone on long enough. I'm going to read this again. This time, it'll probably be easier for your brain to take in the story and the beautiful words, and just enjoy The Clips and Stallions by Linda Beards. Just one crack against the sandbar, and the grain freighter crumpled into itself like paper in flames. All the lifeboats and blankets, the tons of yeasty wheat, sucked down so fast The tumbling sailors still carried in the flat backs of their brains the sensations of the galley smoky with mutton fat someone's hiccup someone's red woolen sleeve still dragging itself across their eyes even as the long sleeve of the water closed over them it was 3 a.m the 3rd of november 1891 just to the south of this chaos where the columbia washes over the pacific There was shouting, the groan of stable doors, and over the beachfront a dozen horses were running. Trained with a bucket of Timothy to swim rescue, they passed under the beam of the Clipson lighthouse, passed out from the grasses, alfalfa, deep snores, and the shuffle of hooves, and entered the black ocean. Just heads then, stretched nostrils and necks, swimming out to the sailors who were themselves just heads, each brain a spluttering flame above the water. Delirious, bodies numb, they answered the stallions with panic. So this is the death parade, Neptune's horses lashed up from Akasha, and still, through some last act of the self, when the tails floated past, they grabbed on then watched, as the horses returned to themselves, as the haunches pulled left, then right, and the small circles of underhooves stroked up in unison. Here was the sound of sharp breathing, troubled with sea-spray like bellows left out in the rain. And here the texture of sand on the belly, on the shirt and thigh, on the foot with its boot and the naked foot, and then finally the voices, the dozens gathered to cheer the rescue the long bones of the will, causing hands to close over those rippling tails, yellow teeth to close over the timothy. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading, where friends, family, local poets, and you, can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. So what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days, and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there, and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to take this poem podcast at gmail.com, and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.